It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports and FanSided. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Wednesday, the final day of February, and the official kickoff of the NFL Combine we are going to have Evan Tex Western from Acme Packing Company on the show on Friday to talk about some of the players at the Combine. He'll have talked to some of the guys. We'll have heard from Mike McCarthy and Brian Gutekunst. This was one of the few times of the year that we heard from Ted Thompson in years past. And Gutekunst has, has said he will be more available to the media. But this is one of those times when he was going to be available to the media anyway. So how much we'll learn from that, I don't know, but I I hope that someone asks about some of the thresholds that we talked about earlier, uh, about the draft strategy and and how he feels like he will relate to what Ted Thompson had built in Green Bay. Today, we're going to focus on our offensive lineman positional review, and that's going to be the most, that will be the lion's share of the show, but I want to start with something that that has frustrated me lately. And I've talked about it on Twitter a lot and it really got me riled up yesterday. And I try not to get riled up because I think by and large Packers Twitter is a fun place, Um, but it can be a dark place. And fans have, have gotten very cynical. I think fans have frankly gotten very spoiled. And I don't think most of the fans who listen to this show are like that. And I think if if they were, they wouldn't listen because it's just not who I am. It's just not what I do. If, if you want to be doom and gloom and you want to talk about how awful this team is and that is your perspective of this team, I, I just don't imagine you like the show. But if you do, I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening and I hope you continue to listen. This is This is not necessarily a shot at you directly. What I'm saying is, this attitude I don't understand because I don't think the team is nearly as bad as, frankly, you do. And this manifested itself in an interesting way. Uh, we, I talked about it with the tight end position on Monday. And this idea that, that the Packers need to have this great tight end. They don't. And then today, yesterday... This idea, and this has been something that has come up a lot over the course of the last few weeks, and that's why that I'm addressing it. This idea that the Packers have to get a pass rusher. I understand the feeling to say the Packers need an impact pass rusher because they were one of the worst teams by passer rating, one of the worst pass defense teams over the course of the season. They didn't have splash plays on third down or the red zone, which is, to me, a function of bad coaching. Now, there are two ways 
that that you come up with clutch plays, really good scheme, and virtuoso talent. And the virtuoso talent in terms of pass rushers, they're few and far between. There are not many teams that on third down, you have a guy that can just go get you a sack or a pressure or a hurry or a knockdown. The Von Millers of the world are not on every team. The Patriots don't have one. They haven't had one. They've, they've never had one. The Eagles have a really good front, but they don't have one guy who just goes out and terrorizes. They have a complete group. Brandon Graham is a very good individual player. Fletcher Cox is an incredible individual player. But they aren't down-to-down terrors like Von Miller, like J.J. Watt in his prime. Guys like that. And there's this expectation that the Packers need someone like that. And look, I'm never going to say that that guy would be bad. Of course not. He would help. The answer to the question, would that guy help? Yes. Here's the problem. Those guys don't grow on trees. And you can't bend over backwards throwing assets at the wall and hoping something sticks. So you want to look out in free agency and you say, okay, the Packers have to bring someone in. Well, first of all, why? Why do they have to? They have Nick Perry. They have Clay Matthews. Those guys are very good players when they're on the field. Now, I understand they're not always on the field, but you're not going to go out and spend millions of dollars for a backup just in case Clay Matthews misses a game or two. Because he's going he's, he's gonna to play 14 games probably. Nick Perry going to play 12, 13, 14 games. Maybe 15 if you're lucky. But you can muddle through. Not only can you muddle through, Mike Patton can create more with less. Dom Capers created less with more. Mike Patton can create more with less. This is a different Packers team. I think those fans are still in the mindset of the Dom Capers defenses where even with great talent, they couldn't create a pass rush. Even with Clay Matthews, they couldn't do it. That's not this team anymore. But the other thing is, who are you going to go get? This free agent class is nothing. There's no one there. We don't even know if Julius Peppers wants to play football next year. If he does, sure. Julius Peppers can come back. Peppers is not starting for the Packers next year. He would be a very nice rotational defensive player. He'd play a little bit of end, that elephant. He'd play a little bit stand-up. But people acting like Pernell McPhee or Trent Murphy is going to... This is the Trey Burton thing all over again. The idea that a, a, a satisfactory, a replacement level NFL player is better than nothing, that's, that's not the question. The question is, what is the value relative to the cost? Is someone like Trent Murphy so much better than what you could get from Vince Beagle that you need to pay them money that could be spent elsewhere, that could be spent on a corner. For the Packer fans that just want to, that want to sign Trent Murphy and Aaron Colvin, why wouldn't you rather sign Malcolm Butler and just roll with Vince Beagle? Or sign Malcolm Butler and then pay a minimum veteran contract to someone like Pernell McPhee? That makes more sense to me. There doesn't need to be this heavy investment. I had someone on Twitter the other day say, it's edge rusher or bust at 14. Why? That is how teams take Jake Locker. That is how teams take Darius Hayward Bay and Ted Ginn Jr. and Trent Richardson. And you say, we 
we love this player or we love this position. We need this guy. So we're going to draft him way higher than we need to. If there's no one at 14 at edge that is worth taking, if there is not an outside linebacker, a pass rusher worth taking at 14, you don't take one. This isn't rocket science. You don't take one. You take Derwin James or you take Denzel Ward or you take Connor Williams or you take Isaiah Wynn. You take the guy that can most help your team. It doesn't, you don't want to be rigid with your positions. That is how you draft bad players. And, and again, and we're going to talk about this more as we move forward in this, in this process, but someone mentioned Marcus Davenport's potential in the future rather than in the short term. And the fact that Rogers window is closing, et cetera, et cetera. I don't care. Part of that is because I think Marcus Davenport can come in and play snaps right away. But part of that too is I just don't care about a, about worrying about a player in year one. Most rookies are not big time contributors in year one. Teams can handcuff themselves worrying about floors and not thinking about ceilings. We need this guy to come in right away and play. Okay, that's nice. But why wouldn't you take the guy that next year or the year after or the year after that could be one of the five best guys at his position? I'm not saying that that is for sure what Marcus Davenport is. What I'm saying is his potential is not irrelevant in the discussion about what he can be in 2018. It's in fact essential. If if the trade-off is this guy has a high ceiling, but he has a, a year at least to get acclimatized to the NFL then I would rather have that guy than the guy who could never get to that top tier level who I know can come in and just be a B minus player. If you want if you want to take a B minus player at 14, you're not going to make this team better long term. Aaron Rodgers is going to be on this team four, five, six, seven, eight years into the future. And frankly, if he's not, all the more reason to go get the high upside player, the guy like Marcus Davenport, who in 2019, 2020 could be a freak show. A guy you need to dominate games for you when maybe Aaron Rodgers has slipped a little bit. God forbid. All right, before we get to our positional review of the offensive linemen, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. They have a ton of great draft content coming out, player grades, projections, snap counts, tools, charts, everything you need to be the smartest person in any football conversation. And all you need to do to enter is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. 
The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Water-resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah, but I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted. And he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm not going to go through individually and give out grades because we'd be here all day. Because the Packers played approximately 462 offensive linemen over the course of the season. David Bakhtiari gets hurt in game one. Ryan Bulaga is banged up. They play with a makeshift offensive line in week two. Against Chicago, they play with no offensive tackles. Not one. They played five guards because of injuries along the offensive line. What they were able to do, patchwork, makeshift is really pretty impressive. And the fact that they were a top five run offense, despite the fact that Brett Hundley was not even throwing for 100 yards in some of these games, you say, okay, well, that's a lot of reps. Yeah, but on a per carry basis, they were crushing. By DVOA, an efficiency metric that adjusts for schedule, a top five rushing offense. This offensive line got the job done in the run game, and one of the reasons why they didn't in the pass blocking game is because Brett Hundley would hold the ball, ball's not out when it needs to be. So let's start with offensive tackle, because this is the worst of the positions. It's not the worst if everyone's healthy, but everyone wasn't healthy. The group as a whole, I think, deserves a C+. And David Bakhtiari, if it were just a David Bakhtiari grade, it'd be an A-, minus, only not an A because of the injury and the missed games. And that it ended up not affecting the Packers as much as it could have because Lane Taylor played admirably at tackle and the Packers were able to, to patchwork it. But he was absolutely worthy of being a Pro Bowl player and it was ridiculous that he was not part of that list. He should have been an All-Pro, frankly. And I understand this is this is something that happens. Great teams that have a lot of good players, when they have down years, voters tend to reward the up-and-coming teams, the new teams, 
with votes, especially compared to those teams that have down seasons. So it was always going to be a tough climb for Bakhtiari to get in that mix, but he, he deserved it. On the other side, his counterpart, Brian Bulaga, only started five games, was not even healthy for those five. You know, he came back into the, that Bengals game and was terrible, couldn't move, tried to gut it out, couldn't, and ultimately tore his ACL. I know that there are questions about whether or not he can be a long-term answer. He is going to open the season, assuming he's healthy, as the starting right tackle. Jason Spriggs is the backup. Kyle Murphy is the backup to the backup. And then Justin McRae is the in-a-pinch player. I expect the Packers to draft a tackle. We're going to get to a player a little bit later that I think is is probably a guard in the NFL, but could be a swing tackle. Could be a right tackle and could be the answer to what the Packers need moving forward. Jason Spriggs and Kyle Murphy have this offseason to prove that they can be NFL players, that they can be contributors. Because in a perfect world, you put Jason Spriggs at right tackle and he is the heir apparent to Brian Bulaga. But he hasn't shown the dexterity, the lateral quickness to handle counters. And until he does that, Unless and until he does that, frankly, he cannot be relied upon as the starting right tackle for a team quarterbacks by Aaron Rodgers. When you add Justin, the Kyle Murphy, Justin Spriggs part of this grade, that the grade comes down. Now Spriggs for a couple games played pretty well, but Kyle Murphy was a disaster. He was a trash fire at tackle. And I understand, yeah, against the Seahawks, it's tough, but he was just bad in every game he played. Every He was leading the league in sacks allowed even after he was out for the season for a full month. I mean, that's, that is an indication of how poorly he played. I just don't think he's the player Green Bay thought he could be. You know, you're talking about a late day two pick, so the expectations aren't that high for a player like that. But you'd like to see some development, and we just haven't seen it. From Spriggs either, really. I mean, he has developed in that he is no longer a complete disaster as a tackle. And, you know, I, I mentioned on Twitter there were a couple games where, oh, we just forgot that he was, the, the, you know, the tackle of record for the Packers. And, you know, then he gets hurt. So it's a C-plus for the group. At guard, this is an A. Unquestioned to me. Lane Taylor and Jari Evans combined to be a very, very good guard group. And that is Josh Sitton gone. That is TJ Lang gone. And Lane Taylor slid out to tackle when they needed him to and played admirably there. And I, I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to say, hey, Lane Taylor, let's give you a shot at right tackle and see what you can do there. But then you add Justin McCray coming in and being a Swiss Army knife for this team. Mike McCarthy called him the MVP at one point because he played left side, right side, tackle, guard, everywhere the team needed him, he played. And after a rough start, really performed admirably in the second half of the season. They really like his tools. They really like his ability. Ditto for Lucas Patrick, who can't stay healthy, but if he could, I think could be a guy that they rely upon as a backup in this offensive line room. There's no question to me that they're going to draft someone Whether or not they sign someone, I think, is going to be based on a lot of different factors. We're going to get to those free agents in in just a second. But I would be fine 
if they went into the next season with Justin McRae starting at right guard, I think he has earned the opportunity to at least compete for that job. And it would be like Mike McCarthy to say, look, this guy has earned the opportunity. Now, whether or not he goes to Brian Gutekunst, or in this case, goes to Mark Murphy and says, Mark, I think we should you know, get a veteran offensive lineman in here. And whether or not that that message is communicated, who knows? But I think the, the offensive line group they have right now, they can go into next season, no changes being made, and feel good about where they are as a group. Because the chances are their offensive line is not going to be ravaged with injuries the way that it was in 2017. And then the center position, B+. Corey Lindsley, when he was on the field, really, really solid player. That's He's just a B-plus player. He's a very solid player. He's not special. No one is going to say, oh, he's a pro bowler. Oh, he's Marquise Pouncey. Oh, he's the second coming of Dermani Dawson. No, he's not. He's really solid. And that's just, that's all you need. All right, the names in the draft. I would be surprised if the Packers went offensive line at 14, but I wouldn't be if they traded down. If a team like Buffalo says, hey, Green Bay, we really want to pick Josh Allen. We'll give you 20 and 21 for 14. And Green Bay can move down and they can address multiple positions in the first round. I I, I know that the, the Packer fans want Green Bay to be aggressive and to take a blue chip player at 14. If that blue chip player is not there, then trade down. If no one you think is a serious big time difference maker, if no one with a top 10 grade falls to 14, which seems highly unlikely given how many quarterbacks are probably going to go, then trade down. And even if you do, you take those picks and if you see a guy that you want to trade up for that you don't think is going to make it, you have now two first round picks to do that. Go up and get that guy. And hopefully you're able, you don't have to give up both, but you've got now, if, you, if, you wanna, if you're at 14 and you drop down to 20 and you want to get up to 18, you don't have to give up 21 to do that. You might just have to give up, let's say, a second. And now you have, tw- let's say you have 18, now you have 21 instead of 45, and you can get two first round, legit first round players. So here's a, here's the, here are the top names. Isaiah Wynn, the guard from Georgia, he is one of the guys I mentioned that can play guard or tackle. If the Packers were able to draft him, they could say, day one, you're our right guard. Or they can say, you're our right guard until we need you to play right tackle. And then you can do that. He can be a swing tackle. In my mock draft for Fansided, which I which I hope you go read, I put it out, I tweeted out the link. The Lockdown Packers account tweeted out the link. Please go find that. Uh, it helps me. A lot monetarily if you do that. Um, I had in the second round Will Hernandez, the guard from Utah. Played with Aaron Jones last year. He is an old school throwback guard, a mauler. And I think he's a first round caliber player. He could fall to the second because of positional value, because of a lot of different reasons. And then Austin Corbett is a guy I discovered watching tape yesterday. And found out that that Zach Cruz from Packers Wire had sort of been in on this. And that Ben Fennel had been in on this. Our X's and O's guru. This guy is a Packers player through and through. Offensive tackle at Nevada. Meets all the thresholds that the Packers would want. In terms of height, former, ta- or former tackle. You hope that he tests well enough 
to get into that range. He could be someone on day two in the third round that the Packers pluck, and they can stick right in and say, you're our starting guard, you're our swing right tackle in a pinch. I really like that. From But from there, there's not a lot of great options at guard. That is that is the list, as at least that, that I've watched. Billy Price, who's a center for Ohio State, could be a guard, has the, has the length and the height to play guard. If he falls, let's say he falls to the second round, I think he's a first-round player. If he falls to the second round, I think he is worth taking, and you eschew those thresholds. At tackle, Connor Williams, I'd be surprised if he fell to 14. If he does, I think the Packers would be wise to, to take him. I think he's one of the, the 8 or 10 best guys in the draft. I understand wanting a defensive player. This this draft is replete with defensive backs. It is not great at edge, but they could get someone at 45 at edge. They could. There are some outside linebackers I really like. Oboe, Okunrakwo for, for Oklahoma. Yuchena Uwoso. I don't know why they have complex names at, at positions that I like, but both of those guys could be ideal fits to play the Sam linebacker spot in this defense. You have to remember that the Mike Pettin defense is not a traditional 3-4. It is more likely going to be a 4-3 under. There's going to be a more traditional defensive end, a Leo. And so the Packers might be more interested in a bigger guy who can rush the passer, but there's also likely going to be this Sam linebacker, this stand-up linebacker on the outside who plays at the line of scrimmage, who rushes sometimes, who drops sometimes. It's going to be Clay Matthews. But they could take a more undersized guy, a guy who is, is a little small to be a traditional 3-4 outside linebacker because he's really a 4-3 outside linebacker. This is a distinction we'll talk about more as we move forward. And then Martinez Rankin from Mississippi State is a guy that I, I'm really intrigued by. He has a little bit of, of a limitation moving laterally. Some speed can get to him, but he had a great battle with Miles Garrett at Texas A&M. And he played in the SEC, handled the best athletes the SEC has to offer, plays with really good technique, a wide base. He's a very good player, and I think he could be the kind of guy that the Packers could say, if he falls to 45, that makes a lot of sense for them. Now, the free agent market at offensive line, compared to what we were talking about at outside linebacker, it is night and day. There are some really quality offensive linemen that the Packers could go out and sign if they wanted to, if they want to go out and say, Brian Bulaga, it's been fun. We can't deal with your injuries and your inconsistencies. We're going to take a shot on a guy like Juwan James, who's 26 years old, former first round pick for Miami, if they don't re-sign him and they have some cap problems. He makes some sense because he can come in right away, play tackle. He could play guard. Sign Juwan James. A lot of people thought coming into the draft, Juwan James was a guard. Packers love to move guys. Right tackle, now you're a right guard. He hit all their pre-draft thresholds. He makes some sense. I know the Packers fans are in on Justin Pugh from New York. As a, as a Syracuse grad, I support this. He's a former Ben McAdoo player. So Mike McCarthy could call up McAdoo and say, what can you tell me about Justin? But Justin is, is when he's healthy, one of the best guards in football, especially in the pass blocking game. So he could make sense. Obviously, Josh Sitton, who we've talked about, makes sense if the if the split was as acrimonious as some people think it was. Maybe it's not possible. There is a lot of speculation, a lot of 
insinuation and innuendo about what went on there. But again, it all happened after he left. It all happened after the fact. We never heard anything about bad about Josh Sitton while he was in the locker room in Green Bay. It was only after he left. And then when he went to Chicago, they loved him in Chicago. The other name that, that I want to throw out there, Jack Muhort, he, everyone agrees, is a very talented, very good offensive lineman. Potentially one of the best interior offensive linemen in the game. Can't stay healthy. But if anyone knows the deal with Jack Muhort, it's Joe Philbin who coached the offensive line in Indianapolis. They have inside info on Jack Muhort. So much like with Dante Moncrief, no other team is going to have as much, obviously besides the Colts, is going to have as much info on Muhort as Philbin will. So that gives them an advantage there. I think there's a good chance they sign a veteran offensive lineman this offseason. And I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted one as well. All right, we'll be back on Friday. The Combine will have gone into full swing and players will have spoken. Mike McCarthy will have spoken. Brian Gutekunst will have spoken. You'll have, you'll have heard from the people that you want to hear from. We'll talk to Tex Western about all of that. He'll be calling in from the Combine. He is there on the ground, boots on the ground. Our first field interview on Lockdown Packers. Boots on the ground reporting. I do it because I care about you guys. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. And find all the podcast content at LockdownPackers.com, AcmePackingCompany.com, FanRag NFL, and always stay Locked On Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.